prepared for this oh no no i am not great this goes great with last week's show well i mean if you don't know anything about yeah it, and i and i wasn't expecting to be on both episodes so it was kind of like a one-two punch like wow all the big space battles you can ask for <laughs> yeah and uh, well we get into it i i always i hate like using up the good conversation for the not recording yeah, yeah, so yeah. all uh, right we are recording i just assume this is it but you now now you do an introduction. You introduce yourself to the people. Five seconds pause, please. I was just gonna let it roll. No no pause. Introducing we're already on air. Introducing the podcast known as Podcast nineteen ninety nine, the podcast about space nineteen ninety nine. I'm your host, Mark Malik. This is my co host. This is Matt. I'm I'm becoming my own worst enemy. Promises. Speaking of enemies. You're, you're, you're last uh, before speaking of enemies, we've got Brian here. How you oh, doing? Hi. You do uh, a last name. You want to be a last name guy? A last name guy? Oh yeah, well, it's I, like in the title of the assume... podcast, isn't it? So it's not like it's a secret. <laughs> it's not a secret. I always assume. Yeah. Okay, I always assume that people don't want to be known for being on here. Brian Clay's here. <laughs> I'll be in your podcast, but tell no one I was there, please. Yes, I, I would do. only do it in a funny voice. So you know who I am. I I have you know not gonna get too far into it. I've known of some semi-anonymous appearances on some podcasts, but this podcast is about the last enemy. That's right. No friends here. All enemies. No friends. The and, um, the last. and it's not the penultimate enemy. No, it's the no. last enemy. We're gonna okay. Be I'm gonna about. throw out that um they probably put all the episode titles in like a you know a bag and pulled them out at random why oh, is it, i have this I have one stuff. makes a lot more sense of, as war games i still think the full circle is actually missing link because that makes so much more sense uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know end of eternity what does that mean that guy could be the last enemy why not you know he could be end the of last eternity enemy. i mean end of eternity is just a joke basically like to infinity and beyond yeah, and as so, we discussed about war games, it was all about you know fears the mind killer sort of thing. So wouldn't that be the last enemy? Dun dun dun. You know. So. Yeah, that was more like a genocide <laughs> than a war, really. But this is a war. This should have been called war games. Yes, we but, should send them. I think they say war. It, it is a war. When we get out, you know, I don't want to oh. be in the middle of your war. They, they they say war more often in this episode than they did in war games. I think. <laughs> Indeed, it's but, a genuine one... war. That one he just announces at the beginning of the episode. We're at war, so he yes. doesn't have to say it again. Whereas this one, it's kind of uh, you're dealing with someone else's war, so you have to keep calling it out. Maybe that's it. <laughs> he just starts saying they war keep ensemble. Calling it out. By we didn't start this war. <laughs> we didn't start this war. Yeah, I, nobody I like... started the war. <laughs> <laughs> nobody started the war. Who knows who started the war? The sun. He didn't start the sun's the fault. Sunday, yeah. We are all star stuff. I think there's a third planet who started the war. <laughs> anyway, anyway, well, I do have some stuff about the episode title in the trivia. 
This episode was 18th in production order. We have Bob Kellett back as writer and director this time. You last saw his directorial work in The Full Circle, and this is his last directorial credit and only writing credit for the show. The original title of the episode was The Second Sex, as Barbara Bain pitched the episode idea as sort of a battle of the sexes. For instance, Dion's escape pod was originally shaped like an egg, and the two planets had gunships that were the exact same model but two different colors. Uh, the script ended up, the actual script ended up having the motivation for war being that the Beathans wanted the Deltans' resources, but that didn't make it to air. There's also a male Beathan news scene got cut, so the planets ended up gender segregated anyway. Uh, the other major change is that the script had Koenig giving Delta the coordinates of the Beathan gunship at the end. This was replaced by the bomb plot and some other extra footage written by script editor Johnny Byrne. Remember how he replaced Christopher Penfold last episode? Uh, he went uncredited here, though. Uh, the title being changed to The Last Enemy after The Second Sex and then The Second Enemy made ITC decide that this is the season finale. That's it. That's why it's the season finale. It's because they said this is called The Last Enemy. So this is the last episode. Makes sense. Anyway. <laughs> what? Sure. Can argue really? with that logic. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay i have some notes on this stuff guys <laughs> i would love like, to send the executives some notes <laughs> first oh, of all boy. it's very interesting i'm sorry are you done i don't want to no no, no. well I'm, I'm in the middle but go ahead go go no well I'll, i will let you finish i don't want to interrupt your flow all right well i just have some stuff on people um our primary Wait. guest this week is d as dion is carolyn mortimer born in 1942 in willersee gloucester and England, some some English words. Uh, she was a mostly TV actor known for the Cleopatras, the Culture Vultures, and Saturday Night Out. She continued to work in the 21st century and passed away in 2020. Was it COVID? I don't know. Uh, undisclosed. Appearing as the Beethan commander Thea, th sorry, Thea, is Maxine Audley. She was born in 1923 and had a background in theater, but also had a thriving career in British TV and film, appearing in Bognor sinful davy and frankenstein must be destroyed she continued working up until her death in 1992 dion's first officer is only credited as first girl and she's played by carolyn courage there isn't much about her on imdb but her name is carolyn courage and she should probably get her own tv show where she plays herself uh, representing the deltons is kevin stoney as talos born in 1921 he flew fighter planes in the royal air force in world war ii until he crashed too many planes and was reassigned as a navigator. He often played police officers, butlers, or villains, and you can catch him in Call Me Mr., Doom Watch, and in The Prisoner as Colonel J in The Chimes of Big Ben. He retired in the early 90s and passed away in 2008. Okay, Brian, what you got? Was it that stuff? Um, <laughs> specific system. Um, yeah, go ahead. As usual, I dive into the novelization and see and compare it to what, what aired. Um, and I noticed the uh, the one male character who initially talks to Dione at the beginning of the episode was replaced by Thea, or Thea. Um, mm -hmm. And that, plus the fact that there was no explicit mention of it in the episode, would probably lead a lot of people to not necessarily conclude that this was a battle of the men's planet versus the battle of the women's planet. But they made those 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 changes because we only see like it's like five Beethans and one Delton, and so there's really nothing to really go on. But it's interesting to hear. Yeah, it was kind of pitched and originally written that way. So um, 
I yeah, got I, on I, that I, track because yeah. the wiki, the wiki plot description, like said that. So it's like that's what I'm getting into. And yeah, actually, when I was watching, I was like, well, it's not really obvious unless someone tells you ahead of time. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's my point. I think they should have maybe included a line in there, but of course, you can't obviously have a plant that's all men and one that's all women. Yeah, how would they reproduce? No one reproduces, but you can have a patriarchy <laughs> planet versus a matriarchy planet, which is kind of how this comes across. I wish they'd underscored it a little more if that was their intention. And uh, what was the other thing from the novelization, real quick? Oh, the um, the plot about just giving them the coordinates and blowing up Dione's ship without the whole subplot. Yeah, that. Uh, that was also in the novelization. So I assume that was the first draft uh, script that they were working from. But the, a lot of the dialogue is identical. It's less deviations from the um, from the aired episode in that regard. Um, the DVD here does does not mention battling sexes. It just says two warring worlds. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they, um, they were not writing that very hard. Uh, uh, this, I... I did come across something. They didn't say whether this was responsible for them dropping the sex battle uh, plot, but the uh, the whole thing where they were going to have the two different spaceships that were that were the same but two different colors was dropped because they decided too many British people had black and white TVs, so it wouldn't work. So hey, I, Mark, I don't you know just, if that you just stumbled into the perfect title for this episode: Sex Battle. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and in terms of in terms of model, the little flying egg shaped pod. That's an interesting little note. Again, underscoring the the uh, sex warfare thing. But uh, in the, again, in the original script, it was just like a a, a moon buggy type thing. Diane just drove over from her ship to the Alpha. Yeah. And drove back later. <laughs> they could have made the gunship well, way more phallic. You know. <clears throat> I mean, well, honestly, I mean, the, the, the spaceships are, cool. yeah, it's already, spaceships are already phallic, so it's just, you don't really even have to do a lot of work there, you just give somebody an egg. I also um, thought it might be easier to shoot a spaceship model than to do another moon buggy when set up the whole moonscape thing again and to try to drive it across. I mean, that, that itself oh. was probably, the, I remember one production note though, wasn't this episode like, not the last one produced, or not the last one shot, but there was a lot of post-production done probably to mm -hmm. change some of these things we just discussed <laughs> at the yes. very end of, of the first year. So in a way, it's kind of the last episode shot. So it kind of fits into being the last one aired. But I never That's thought of it as I never thought of it as the last episode. Maybe it was when it first aired ages ago in my yeah, market, it, but I don't remember that. So well, it may fact, not have I been was, in your market. It was definitely that way in, in England, but that doesn't. You know, we've we've seen many times that that doesn't necessarily translate to anywhere I else. I think, yeah, I think the U.S. followed more of the production order, which is kind of the DVD order, which is our order. So here we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, back when we did the prisoner, we like continue like, what order should this be in? And we never really like settled on anything. Where I feel like this one definitely production order <laughs> is the one that makes sense. So well, the prisoners are debated about that endless yeah. goes on. Yeah, that's the thing is the prisoner is is disorienting by nature. So it's just no. And, and yeah, they they do a lot of work at the end to make sure that you know that he's just trapped there forever. Uh, spoilers. Sorry. Um, or not. Maybe he got out. <laughs> hey, um, you want to do the plot for this one uh, for sex? Battle? Yep. I had sex battle plot. All right. Summary. Moonbase Alpha has come across two potential planets. They're both orbiting the same star, even though the planets apparently can't see each other because the sun is directly in between them. Koenig tries communicating with the left planet, known as Betha, 
but they don't respond. He is convinced they'll attack, and they manage to neutralize all the eagles and interfere with the computer's operation from afar. They land their ship on the moon and fire missiles, but the missiles weren't aimed at Alpha, but instead at the right planet. It turns out that the moon has given them an opportunity to fire at the other planet without their missiles being sucked into the sun in between planets. But this also allows the right planet to fire back at them. The commander of that spaceship, Dione, is that right, Dione? I think I messed it up in the uh, trivia. Uh, then demands sanctuary for themselves since Alpha will need their help. She insists that Koenig is no match for the other planet, known as Delta. But Koenig says he has no interest in being a sitting duck. Meanwhile, Delta lands a ship on the moon as well, and it uses the opportunity to shoot at planet Betha, and they send missiles up from their surface to destroy that ship. Koenig starts convincing Dione that a ceasefire would be the smart thing, and Alpha reaches out to Delta to try to negotiate. Talos, the commander from Delta, says that they will consider it. Koenig also con contacts Dione's superior, Thea, Thea, and she says that she agrees to a ceasefire under certain conditions, even though she considers Delton's unreasonable. Then Talos gives them a similar response. Negotiations are tense, but basically the Deltons threaten Alpha if Betha launch, launches ships without them being informed. Both sides agree to a ceasefire, and the Alphans hope to get out before anything else happens. Dione offers them a chance to live on Betha. Koenig says he'll consider it, but also makes sure to keep her under supervision while she's on Alpha. This doesn't stop her from teleporting out and heading back to her gunship, where she begins plotting with Thea to attack Delta. Koenig contacts her and asks her what she's up to, and she explains that she's breaking the ceasefire because they have an advantage again since the gunship isn't as disabled as they pretended it is. Koenig explains to Talos that they've both been tricked, but Talos threatens to destroy them unless they, he give him, they give him the exact coordinates of the gunship. Dione threatens Alpha if they work with Delta. Koenig stages a ruse pretending he's going to meet with her, but sends a bomb instead. It goes off and blows the entire gunship to pieces. Delta then agrees to destroy their own missiles. Alpha continues on, and Koenig hopes that Betha and Delta will find a way to live together. So we're like 200% uh. sure at this point that the moon has no atmosphere. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, and yet smoke billows. <laughs> I'm thinking about all that damn noise. I mean, I've, I've and made... yeah. noise. <laughs> like when they say, like five people have had like their inner, their middle ears ruptured or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess there could be internal noises as things are crackling and and blowing up that could cause that. But yeah, all the screaming missiles for like extended periods. I'm like, no. No, you don't have to do no. So, I can understand the base rumbling because the ship is sitting on the ground, you know, like a half a mile away, so it, it can rumble. Also, of the entire lunar surface they could set up their gunship on, why does it have to be right next to Alpha? Because Alpha looks cool <laughs> and they want a nice view. <laughs> yeah. Why threaten the one little pocket of, you know, life on that moon by waging your war next to it? They want to keep their Because you wouldn't on. have a story otherwise. otherwise. Dione wants to have sex with Koenig. Mm. That's oh why. gosh yeah. okay so <laughs> the minute she appears it's like obviously some of the men are taken with her but in the, the novelization he, he cranks it up to 11 and Helena is like super jealous of this woman in the book. <laughs> she's always like looking at her and thinking things and feeling what was the phrase it was like uh, dowdy and diminished in her presence and it's like Okay, I know this book was written by a man in the seventies, but still, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not, 
one step forward for a strong female alien commander villain, you know, and then two steps backwards for how they're treating the rest of their cast. <laughs> it seems they've like, stolen the costumes from the set of um, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Like, <laughs> they all look like Tourist Satana. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing. This is so much like last week's episode, but I think mm-hmm. this is much better because it kind of has a story even though the story is definitely not fully formed. And I sort of have a problem how Koenig did war crimes at the end. That wasn't super great. I think it was kind of right. Do you guys feel any kind of way about that? I hope you out. You mean his ruse? You mean mean, just him blowing them up? (laughs) Sort of like, well, I mean, he just super kind of had no choice at this point. It was their fault. I mean, they had it coming, but. Do you think this was one of the reshoots they did? This is adding this whole subplot, which may explain why other things disappeared uh-huh. to make room for it. I think they had to film this to make the story more interesting because I think someone said, um, uh, this woman got the best of Koenig. He needs to turn it around and get back at her. You know, she yes. tricked him. So he needs to trick her in order to come out on top. So I think that's the reason it was rewritten this way. It, and it um, was either Johnny Byrne or the ITC people i would suspect the latter i think uh, it said something like executives or producers didn't like the ending where he just gave the coordinates which seems like the thing to do right because the neutral thing to do is say like look they're over there uh we're not involved get peace out but this is (laughs) (laughs) just um yeah i'm just gonna blow you guys up because you're the closest why let the Deltons <laughs> blow him up when you can do it yourself? <laughs> yeah. Well, Dione threatened to destroy him uh, if he did it. Yeah. So I mean, at never... this point, yeah, now we started entering into what's Dione's motivation and was she as bad as we think she was? Because she pointed it out at the very beginning, they could have just blown them away and, you know, as, as a threat. Instead, they just disarmed them so they can come down and do their thing. And uh, if, I thought it was very interesting, Matt, the, the note you had on <laughs> the fact that the Eagles, you know, couldn't launch. We couldn't launch their rockets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Moon Base Alpha has yeah. been flaccid, that note. Yeah. Zach, I <laughs> never thought of it like that. I never thought that. I never thought that. Would be, oh, it's kind of a, you know, erectile like, dysfunction joke, basically. I don't, I don't <laughs> well, know. The up and all the men can't perform me. now. <laughs> so... It's all body commentary for me for me this week. <laughs> yeah, you you cannot if someone doesn't kill you because they can use your bit your moon to fire at someone else, then you can't trust them. Like that is the definition of they're using you. So even if she says you can come live with us, like if they blew up Delta immediately, like there's it seems unlikely they wouldn't just blow up Alpha too. If I had done the rewrites in the last scene of this episode, Koenig would still be considering if he should take up that offer to live on, on the planet. <laughs> um, it was it was extremely weird to me that they didn't just call the planet Beta because we were already had Alpha and Delta. So yeah, they, they decided just not to stick. I think they decided, well, that's too on the nose if we also have a third Greek letter. Well, why'd so they call Delta call Delta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then why not? Let's take an extra H in that one too. Well, you know, it's an alien. Um, well, it's like you know, if, if one of the, <laughs> I mean, one of the planets could reasonably be called Alpha, but then that would just be confusing because then Alpha would be attacking sure. Alpha. But I mean, I mean it's not alpha, like they met beta, before; they could beta. do that. Well, you know, the, I I've 
I've probably said this on this podcast before, but it makes me completely insane that Romulus has a planet next to it called Remus. That's where the legends are mm-hmm. born. It makes me insane. <laughs> no, I, I, Mark, I think actually this episode in War Games is is a good um, indicator of how you and I are, see the series a little bit differently because I think this one's smarter. It makes more sense. I like War Games mm-hmm. better. I like the the metaphysical insanity of it all. Whereas this one's pretty straightforward. This is like, I mean, I, it's not quite hard sci-fi, but it's a lot closer. No. It's closer to a Star Trek episode. You know, Star Trek would just go there. They would say that this is a male planet, a female planet. I mean, the well, Kirk would have Kirk would have pretty much since they have a propulsion system. Kirk would have had time to give him a speech. Picard would have had mm-hmm. time to, uh, rec- you know, d- d- diplomatize the planets. Is that a word? Uh, whereas yeah. the the you know part of the the reason we have the existential dread question here is because the moon is just an you know a free trajectory so they can never really pause or you know spend time anywhere they're 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 on a schedule yeah. it's like it's like they're a cruise ship you know but i mean the thing is is that this could be their last stop it just isn't well if they got off it'd be their last stop yeah it could be sorry i keep saying things that's it i'm like after oh, i say it i think it's a, a pun or something <laughs> Sorry, I'm frozen. Mark's frozen. Oh, we can hear you though. So yeah. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have worried about that. <laughs> you just need to make sure well, that when you get frozen, you're like making a completely insane face, like the like the <laughs> dead guy from uh from a few weeks from the end of eternity. You need to be frozen that yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> you just freeze it now. There you go. Okay. Well, I don't think it's very good podcasting to just wait for myself to freeze while not talking. Yeah. Um, I but yeah, I I like this better because there is sort of a conundrum here instead of just aliens showing up and 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 saying things at you, like there. Even though this is not super well executed, there's a lot of redundant dialogue where Dione says says things over and over. Um, Talos, it's weird that Talos is just kind of by himself, and also this he seems to be sleeping for like seventy five percent of his screen time. Like <laughs> which that, no, I like that. Close. I like that. I like think that's great. What what was that? Weird. He, like, he didn't care. Like he it's like weird. bothered with this. It is weird. I don't know. I don't know why he did it, but it's a weird choice, and therefore I like it. Maybe but Delta there should like eye contact. There should have just been some dudes back there just to flesh it out a little bit instead of making me think that it's just a guy on a planet by what? himself. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of a weird acting choice. Just mm-hmm. lean back and keep your eyes closed, except for the last dramatic moment where you lean way forward into the camera, open your it eyes. Finally, open his eyes. Yes, um, he does say he's gonna. <laughs> he says he's gonna consult the council. So you assume someone else is there, but he could have just been making up the council. Maybe he's like extremely schizophrenic, alone on a planet, trying to blow up another planet. <laughs> it would be weird if he was the only one on the planet. He maybe he was. Be... <laughs> that would be a. That would be a. A thing to ponder in a sci-fi program. I wasn't sure we're supposed to believe he's the supreme commander of the forces. That doesn't mean he's like a dictator who runs the whole planet because he talks about the Presidium. So he has somebody reports to. And I guess Thea does too. So they're not the leaders. But I mean, if this was a more interesting episode, we would have gotten something. We would have gotten something from them. I don't. Um, it's It was very disappointing that when they did negotiations they both basically said the same thing and then just immediately negotiated 
and that was just the end of it. There's there was no tension there. It's well, like sometimes well, negotiations go well. You pat yourself on the back when that happens. That but then they didn't. Well, I mean, they didn't. Well, it didn't work out in the was, end, but it worked out. Well, the, the Beatons had a plan. We don't know the Deltons had a plan. They did go along with it pretty readily, but then they kind of dictated the terms. So it, it worked well in the short term, at least, if not the long term. That's a, that's a, they call that a minor victory. <laughs> well, I mean, it, the real victory was Koenig's because he blew someone up to pieces. Without screaming at them, too. He doesn't really get pissed in this episode, as you said. All the screamings from the missiles. Yep. <laughs> well, what would this episode have been better if he said, I let my missiles do the screaming? So no there's an interesting, uh, interesting point between last week when Coney, you know, decides not to fire, ultimately, <laughs> after the whole illusion. He decides not to fire, but then in this episode, he's all very much like launch eagles, all this stuff. And then Victor says, This isn't your style, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Do you? Well, it's his style today, but apparently his style goes back and forth between these two extremes. This isn't your style, so, do you, baby. do you guys think, do you guys think that those aliens from last week and then the aliens from the last sunset and maybe whatever other aliens are just like looking from afar and be like, Yep, that's right. We shouldn't have let him land here. Yeah, they, they see, that's what they wrong. do. If their telescopes are strong enough, perhaps. Yeah. What if what if they looked through time and saw what Koenig was going to do <laughs> to Beathens? I know this is a, a normal sci-fi point that comes across, but they send everyone underground once once the attack begins, right? And mm-hmm. and I think I was saying it last week, you know, why why isn't main mission underground in the first place? And 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 again with Star Trek, why are the bridges like on the bullseye of the saucer section? <laughs> it's like why is well, it first the of all, <laughs> they didn't plan the moon to be facing alien attacks every week. It was it was supposed to be you know a research base. They put the uh, you know they put the big tower in the middle. That's you know the control tower sort of thing, I guess. And uh, oh. it's just cooler to have windows. Yeah, yeah. The, the bridge is on the yeah. The bridge is in the middle of the flying saucer section. So in case they need to use the window to drive, they have the window there. See, Battlestar, they put CIC like in the center of the ship where it probably makes the most sense. They also don't have a cool view screen, so that's kind of a bummer. But uh... <laughs> well, it's maybe well, we... maybe Go ahead. Uh, just to for just to force lower decks people to be under underneath everybody else it's like a it's like a, a yeah, lower sim- decks doesn't symbolic bridges in the middle uh, yeah. are we jumping the timeline at all for this symbolic. because you want to talk about year two <laughs> um i mean, I mean sure. what do you think matt i'm fine okay. with that i don't care go for it i mean yeah we haven't Let's done do any year two yet but well okay spoiler alert blah 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 um okay. in year two the main mission set comes down and they have a command center and it's basically what would have been like the auxiliary command center, I guess in some other design, but yeah, it's underground. Okay. <laughs> so okay. after a year, they learn their lesson and realize the main mission's too exposed and they move everything underground and they call it command center. So that's see, why I, everything's different cool. here too. I don't, yeah. I don't see where that's a spoiler, you know, I, I, cause people get so touchy <laughs> about spoilers. He says, I'm like, 
oh, they moved it underground. I'm like, well, yeah, sure, why not? I don't think I. Well, I think a anything. great number of fans mourned the loss of Main Mission because it was simply a big, cool set, but also it took up a lot of real estate in the studio. That's probably they, they they trimmed down the studio space. I think between year one and year two, so they had to compact things, and that was probably the actual real life reason they did that. Yeah, I mean, it is a tragedy because I, I think I don't know is is Main Mission like the coolest sci fi set? I'm sitting here thinking hmm. I can think of a um, a cooler. I don't know the. The Beethens Command Center is pretty rad here. I'm, no, I'm just talking about like across so sci-fi. Like a, what is the coolest sci-fi set? Like the coolest recurring sci-fi set is what you're saying? Recurring, yes. <clears throat> like I think Main Mission might be the winner. Could be. And there's lots of cool Star Trek bridges, but I think Main Mission beats them out in the end. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm so. A, I'm a sucker for, you know, as I guess a lot of fans of the show are for you know, weird 60s, 70s retro futurism style. So this is like <laughs> yeah. the apex um, of that. <laughs> shuttle, what is it? Shuttle punk? Space shuttle? Space punk? I guess. Um, I, I did call the um, one of the ships a, a steampunk uh, discovery. So actually, um, I actually, for the first time, actually sat down and watched THX 1138 all the way through recently. With the weird so digital that's... effects or without? I don't know. Didn't make any sense. It was great to look at because <laughs> there's the uh, kind, there's the original version that has a lot of, I guess, black backgrounds. But some people think it's more stark that way. So black background. I think it was a lot of white back. Is a white background a digital thing? Is that what it is? It's, it's been twenty years since I watched it, but I think I watched the right. Lucas version. He Lucas to that one too. Jeez, what the hell, Lucas? I think people gave him a little more credit on that one, though, because it was a low-budget movie that wasn't quite properly finished. Right. But yeah, well, now, now James like, Cameron... Show me the original, you know? Yeah, well, now James Cameron is releasing 4K versions of his own movies that are all messed up with noise reduction, so... Oops. <clears throat> yeah, I guess uh, don't let directors get too powerful or they'll destroy them, their own work. So that's cool. Great. Really great. Thanks, Capitalism. Sometimes you just want to destroy something beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> there's gonna be a Fight Club version where we're like digital meatloaf they, they or something. I don't <laughs> splice Tyler Durden frames into all of those movies. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. No, he's like I removed the Tyler Durden frames. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what, what, how do you mess that movie up? I'm sure there's some way, mm. but okay. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm looking through my notes just for random. Well, I I did kind of wonder a little bit, I, which you might have seen my note. I was wondering if this was going to turn out to be Space 1999's A Private Little War, but that's where I guess Star Trek having propulsion and the moon is just like out of here is different because it's not a choice here. They're just on yeah. their way. Whereas, um, you know, in A Private Little War, they very much make the decision to give up on this you know alien vietnam yeah the well you know like i said earlier star trek would have fleshed this out better but it is kind of interesting how you know alpha has no support system and yeah they do need to get out of there and you know that that would make an interesting that would make an interesting i'm sure there is some star trek well there probably are several star trek stories where the people are just like we got to get out of here yeah Right, but they can, whereas this is like a ticking clock yeah. situation. Like, we are going to be here for the next four hours, and four hours, it won't matter anymore, because we will be gone. 
uh, which yep. I was thinking, that's why I didn't get uh, Commander Koenig even considering the offer. It's like, they don't even have time to properly leave. I mean, their pro, you know, project exodus or whatever it is, it takes, they always say it takes like a day or two, you know? Mm-hmm. So four hours isn't enough. <laughs> yeah. And they give, they give, uh, Dione quarters. I'm like for four hours, really? Which I guess they're really putting her in a very nice cell is what they're doing. But yeah. But I didn't know if she could just teleport whenever she wanted, which, you know, I don't think she teleported there in the first place, but maybe she was trying to be, uh, friendly. That's a little bit of a plot MacGuffin, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. They just teleport. couldn't figure out how to get her off the ship. So they just did that. And she kind of does that, like, it almost seems like an I Dream of Genie thing, like, doot, doot, right? Yep. And off yeah, she are. just thought really hard and then was gone. So, okay, I guess if I, was, if I was looking at a place in this plot that was a little goofy, that that would be the main one. Because otherwise, it is kind of like weird alien diplomacy, which kind of makes sense with Koenig, you know, making somewhat rational decisions until he pulls a gun on his command staff again <laughs> well that wasn't you know that was a ruse it was a I, ruse, I think... but they they didn't know that for like 10 seconds <laughs> <laughs> that is true that was there were 10 oh, seconds know. where i was like oh man is he really gonna just be like no you're all wrong again but i guess <laughs> he successfully pulled the ruse on the audience as well so <laughs> yeah it was a little more interesting than the usual koenig this extremely competent thing even though that resulted in him just blowing people up, <laughs> which, which, you know, it doesn't really make me mad. It's just kind of funny and ridiculous. And yeah, just plot wise, like you mentioned, the ceasefire is like negotiated way too quickly. So I'm like looking at the mm-hmm. time up, 15 minutes left. This isn't going to go well. <laughs> yeah, we literally spent more time on the, the bomb than we did on the negotiation. <laughs> you know what I mean? I did think it was kind of funny when the, the helmet falls off. I guess they needed to show a way to reveal that no one was. <laughs> yeah. Even though I pretty yeah, much worked that out already. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like a mastermind ruse or anything. <laughs> well, that's also, we, as we, the audience saw him say, only show her this. And then I'm pretending to hold a gun on you. So we know that he's up to something and you know, it's going to be some bugs bunny thing again. I was I was yeah, holding that... back on saying that because I wasn't sure if that if I should. No. This is more of a um wily coyote thing, I think. <laughs> but I mean, I don't I don't think I really made this point the last time this came up, but I think that the space commander doing Bugs Bunny stuff is actually good because that being the the smart guy who's not like the brutal the smart guy who's not the bully is sort of the job of the uh, space captain. However, he did blow them up. So then uh, that kind of cancels out the bully thing, maybe. Should he be more of a space bully, you know, make fun of all the aliens they meet and then like really own that Bugs Bunny sort of vibe? Sure. <laughs> Just start like making fun of them and showing up behind them. And uh, but, but, but it's kind of funny that they kept going on and on about how Alpha was no match for Delta, but they were able to just absolutely obliterate their gunship with a bomb that fit on a little moon buggy. They could have had a new. Clearly, we know they have nukes. Well, well, do go. they though? I was had a question uh, about that. About that, if they had nukes, why didn't they like destroy each other almost immediately on the few occasions they apparently have traded shots with each other? Because it seems like if you lob enough H bombs from orbit, you can, you know, pretty much wipe out a civilization. <laughs> so I was kind of yeah, wondering they, if their weapons were nuclear based, because it seems like they well, must uh, be. Yeah. But on the other hand, was, they're not. Was, you know, that was nuclear fuel that pushed the moon out orbit in the first place. That's yeah, fuel, he was though. talking yeah, about not a bomb. Yeah, 
you guys are yeah uh matt was talking about alpha not about delta or beta oh, oh, oh I, mean, I was talking about Bel- yeah. delta sorry yeah, i stepped I, away from the mic for a minute no, so no. i kind of missed the part of this conversation it's all good matt didn't know what you were talking about either so, so <laughs> yeah um so you negotiated but, our understanding of the conversation very quickly yes. and efficiently but we still have uh, yeah, but you guys weren't shooting at each other so it was really easy <laughs> not yet um, not yet <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you guys have fired missiles and they're like flying across the Pacific Ocean right now. We'll get right. there after. Did we talk uh, about how everyone seems to know that the Eagles are called Eagles? Oh yeah, that, that was, was ridiculous. Too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a like, bunch of Eagles. <laughs> we're deliberately ignoring you and not answering your hails, but we know everything about you. Strangely enough, okay. <laughs> maybe they have good probes. I don't know. Well, you know, last week's before they explained exactly what was happening, they had a bunch of American or what Earth Hawks were they? But the Earth, aliens Earth did. Hawks, so. Yeah, they weren't Earth Hawks. Yeah, but that that was a reflection of their mind. So yeah, we know that now. But I mean, at the know. time, it was like what, what? Then they well, that was so yeah, a mind bender. It's like why are they attacking us with our own ships? <laughs> yeah, what's Earth doing anything, though? Because that episode didn't happen, whereas this one did well, happen. So they'll remember what yeah. happened here. Well, yeah, they didn't even learn anything from the hallucination because they just went and got did war stuff again, blew someone yeah. up. Good. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they do try and negotiate first poorly, but what can you do? Well, I mean, they clearly did everything they could, which is blow up the blow up the people closest to you. That's the lesson here. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> hey, Brian, you got any other big points you want to throw out on this one? Oh, um. Well, lacking any notes of my own, I'm just looking at yours. You pointed out, is it like a private little war from Star Trek? And it's like, well, that was more of a Vietnam uh, um, parallel, wasn't it? Like, arm both sides, so they just keep fighting. And that was yeah. not really a great plan, but it happened. This is kind of more reminiscent of uh, A Taste of Armageddon, where you actually have two different planets fighting each other in a long, pointless war. So you can oh, say yeah, that. Yeah. No, Landrew. Oh, well, no, Landrew's not on that planet. He's on the Red Hour planet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they, I think that planet's a... now a uh, Apple store in Culver City somewhere. So the, right. the uh, set was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll happen. Yeah, are yeah. good sci-fi sets, I guess. Yeah, better in a brewery. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I have to find yeah. that shopping center where they built on top of that old studio. But uh, let's see what else. Um, going back to the sets and stuff, I kind of wonder. Uh, when I was thinking about it, it's like. In in the original series, uh, Kirk was just on the bridge and he did not have an office. Whereas in Space 1999, Koenig had a separate office adjacent. And That's then strangely awesome. enough, Picard had an office on on Next Gen. So I was kind of thinking, hmm, they lift that idea from this show? Maybe? Who knows? But then ironically, Koenig loses his office next season. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what happens when you go to auxiliary, yeah. But yeah, his, his office like the, is just like the closet full of water coolers, and he just has to go in there sometimes. No, sit at a tiny desk. You don't see it on screen. It's, but it's kind just of a tiny office. You never see it. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like an office space situation. I was thinking because the evolution of the of the American business office is like, well, everybody had offices, then they had cubicles, then there's an open floor plan, and that's kind of where the show goes. Everybody has open floor plan where the boss just sits out there in the middle of it with you. But then again, that's kind of like more of the, you know, bridge of the enterprise scenario. Your commander's right there in the, in the middle of everything. So it kind of makes sense. Unless he's hanging in his well, you know office. What, you know, what won't be very fun is when they decide to do work from home, Star Trek and everyone's in just in their, in their, uh, 
like in their cabin just using computers to all talk to each other there was a virus outbreak on the moon oh wait that was 2001 yeah. um that's like dude you don't you're not paying me so i'm working from <laughs> home i'm working from, from sure. this bunk bed sure. and someone who were working from inside the holodeck just with their laptop that'd be terrible never do that star trek <laughs> even though i want to work from home so real life should do that but not star trek there we go anyway. So you can't complain when when the shows like this aren't quite realistic because you don't want the realism. I don't want that realism. It'd be too depressing. I mean, I mean, you know, if I was in space, then I'd hang out with people. Sure, I'd go. I'd commute. People, you don't commute. You're you're already there. You know. So it's it's practical and easy. How nice. Yeah, makes sense. You look so happy about it now that you're frozen again. <laughs> uh, computers computers are garbage. They're all just trash. Okay, you're unfrozen again. So, I mean, it's USB problems and oh. VR headset problems. My VR headset broke, and it's uh, instead of disconnecting it, I just let it, set it on a shelf, and now it's just turning on over and over and over again, taking all my USB resources. So, you know, <laughs> great. I can't so, disable it because when it shows up, then it disappears again. So, let's put the percentages on this one. How much is existential dread? How much is sci-fi fun? I'm gonna go fifty percent dread for um for Betha and fifty percent sci-fi fun for Delta. Okay. That's probably reversed, but yeah, fifty fifty. It's dread a fifty fifty type of episode. Okay, sure. Brian, what 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 are your um, percentages on this one? I think the I think we're below again, this was like uh, war games we had actual destruction. Whereas in this, of, of on Alpha, whereas in this episode, there's very little destruction around Alpha. Really, it's just like you said, a lot of loud noises. Uh, <laughs> so I would call it just based on the the spaceships fun. I would probably give it more like a seventy thirty. Like it, I think it's a lot more fun and it's a lot more intrigue going on with uh, with uh, Dione, and uh, you got. Women in leather cat suits. So what's not lot what's not the like? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna yeah. take it even further. I was sitting here thinking actually I'm gonna reassess it because you mentioned the, the missiles again. It's a 90 percent sci-fi fun, five percent screaming missiles, and just five percent of the dread. Cause like mm -hmm. the Star Trek episodes we brought up, a private little war and a taste of Armageddon. I feel like those have more existential dread than this one, which is it's mm -hmm. usually the other way around. So I, I guess, you know, that's what happens when you leave the metaphysics out of space 1999. Um, that, that's its cachet and dread, which this doesn't have. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, there's a war going on, which would be scary, but the, the stakes are never clearly outlined. And that's really part of why I'm 50-50 on it is because I should be afraid. Like, it I, seems I don't like know. Yeah, I don't I don't are... feel afraid for them in this one. Like <laughs> yeah. we would in more games. Yeah, it's like he kills more. He kills every, like Tony gets all the deaths. He he racks up like whatever, eight deaths and nobody else dies, I think. Yeah, this one, it's. Uh... Well, I lost whoever thought I had there, but... <laughs> he's going to get five teardrops tear like tattooed on his face. So we'll see from from here on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was going to say the big dread of Space 1999 is the unstoppable unknown, which this doesn't have. They seem to be maybe different strengths and different weaknesses, but 
the Alphans and the Deltans and the other the airplane was, um, they all seem to be technologically on a relatively even keel. I mean, obviously the the planets in the system have a hometown advantage, but they all seem to be relatively technically similar, yeah. except for teleportation, maybe, which well still seems like a Oh, cheap. did we get into that? <laughs> Where did that I, come from? Yeah, yeah. I it, just plot device. Um I th- this is once again relates to Voyager in that when in the later seasons of Voyager, when you when you open an episode with Janeway just wheeling and dealing with five different alien races, it definitely removes the tension from that series. And I don't think that series nef- necessarily suffers for it. But that's sort of a thing here is that we're watching. We're not watching the last week is, you know, they're getting pummeled by someone they can't negotiate with this one. They're pretty much just become the UN and then kill everyone (laughs) you know it's not and also i I forgot to bring this up but it was insane how everyone was always eavesdropping on everyone else in this episode when talos would show up and say something and then thea shows up it's like i heard exactly what they talos just said you know it's like that always that happens over and over in this you can't get a missile from one planet to the (laughs) other how do you get a radio signal from one planet to the other i don't understand that either that seemed really convenient i imagine there must be communication satellites all over that solar system that we don't you could know use about gravitation orbit orbits to get it anyway even if it's on the other side of the sun yeah well that, that uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot what? of weak science there i mean have you ever yeah. heard of guided missiles that can steer themselves <laughs> yeah. why don't you Seriously. use those yeah no no yeah we we like using straight missiles but we can't unless so... we use launch them off of your moon it's 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 insane and they really should have left that part in the script about the resources because there doesn't like they never see each other. Why would they be shooting? They they're only shooting at each other because each of them insists the other started the war. Which now I'm like talking myself out of liking this episode. <laughs> well, going well, going back to the teleportation thing, I thought if is that just a emergency device on her skate pod that she can call with her brain? And if she could, why didn't she just teleport all the way back to the Stasius rather than her escape pod? But um, I then I thought. Genie. I thought, and I thought, if it, is, is this an innate ability of theirs? Can can Beethans teleport themselves? Because that makes them really kind of creepy. They could go anywhere and do anything. Maybe that's why the Deltans don't like them so much. <laughs> it's just only women can do that. Yeah, only there women from Beethans. So there's of, some yeah, the battle of the sexes. Something started this war, and maybe maybe there's you know those people are creepier than we know. <laughs> I, but, yeah, I it's a plot device. I, I don't know how to explain it otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, the the idea that both of them say the other started the war is mm-hmm. kind of an annoying, enlightened, centrist thing. <laughs> like, maybe they're they're both bad. Which we said, got, yeah, we got that other, we got that other isolated, weird teleportation guardian of Piri. So I guess with with Kano. So I guess sometimes mm-hmm. just like, how are we gonna get? How are we gonna get out of this fine mess? Teleportation. Where does it come from? Yeah. I don't know. It's sci-fi. It's the seventies. Just deal with it, man. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that Star Trek didn't use teleportation for plot device. Oh hey, yeah, this, well, you definitely yeah. cannot. They had a machine. We'll we'll see more teleportation, I'm sure. Yeah, just that's usually on the aliens part, not on so much the Alphans part. Except that you yeah, die. it's cheaper. That's pretty much it. It's cheaper. But you know, and that's you don't want that. Roddenberry invented it. <laughs> yeah. But you like you don't really want that to be real because if the, if that was real, then Dione died and then was cloned somewhere else, because that's what teleportation would actually do. Yeah. 
Well, they you all die. Yourself. Because in the mm. future, in the future, it's a utopian society where you just are like okay with dying, so that your clone, your teleporter clone, can go live somewhere else. When you just are going, you know, like twenty feet away. Also, if that was a thing, Dione and her crew would have just teleported back to Alpha before the ship blew up. (laughs) They would just go scream and poof, and then they'd be back. So, just teleport there and be like, "You jerks! What did you do that for?" (laughs) Then, then it would be that would be amazing if they'd done that and then said, "Well, because of this, you can never live on Betha," and then just go back. (laughs) That's the end of it. They just uh, kick him out of paradise, basically. I have I have one more thought. Um, one oh yeah, the the gunship's view screen is fantastic. By the way, very Buck Rogers. I like that. Yep. Um, and then I do like when they ask when she asked Commander Koenig how many people are in Alpha. He's like eh, about around about three hundred. Because I thought oh we'll get an actual count of where we are now, but he doesn't actually seem sure about his his compliment <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. About because the, the writers aren't airs. sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, depending yeah. on people died in the episode that aired before this one, yeah. Well, those deaths didn't count. They didn't so. die though. They technically. Oh, I mean, all episodes have. before this one, not yeah. not war games, but collectively. <laughs> I wish they just done it, man. They're not. They can't. They'll never have three hundred extras in the show. Just kill a hundred people. Just do it. You know. Okay, you want a hard figure? PTSD. There's was... a hard figure at the beginning of season oh. two, so. Oh well, well let's, 200, let's get. We're almost there. Let's, it's two hundred ninety-eight. Okay. Okay. Close. <laughs> Spoiler. About three hundred. There you go. How could you spoil that for me? Because I think somebody sat down and surprised. counted all the deaths from Breakaway to Testament of Arcadia, and then did the math. Like there were there were something like three hundred and fifty Avengers by the end of Endgame, and like two of them had died. I think. So it's actually a pretty good job to have. Yeah, it's very safe. As you may think. Yeah, very. It's way less fatal than being one of Thanos's guys. True. Statistically safer, safer than driving is flying. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Being an Avenger. (laughs) Yep. Three. Uh, Three. (laughs) Well, then Black Panther died, but that was just totally unrelated. Oh yeah, it was unrelated. Yes. Um, I guess we'll wind this one down unless someone has a a big thunk to thunk about. A thinking. We're thinking thunks. A thunk to thunk about, yeah. So, so we talked talked about a lot so, of things. We, women are from blue planet, and men are from red planet, left planet, and right planet. Which they yeah, would have been the red. Other, if, they, if they're coming from the other direction, it would have been the other way around. You're right. Why is it left? Why? Why? What happened? Do they always say? Is it always left, no matter what? Like if. They, they, they just needed a shorthand. Planet. I don't. I don't know why they didn't just say red planet and blue planet, except for the fact, like you said, everybody had black and white TVs, black so they had TVs. to make it clear. Mm. Yeah. Isn't left brain logical and right brain emotional? Maybe they should be swapped. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's a thing where your brain controls the opposite part of your body, so your left brain controls your right half. So that's your. Damn it! Now I'm confusing myself. Anyway, as a shorthand for <laughs> as you're flying into a solar system, it's practical. It's just not cool. I guess is where I'm getting at. Like <laughs> colors are cooler than than directions. I had fun with this episode, even though you can poke holes in it more easily than most things that exist. I, I think the basic story holds up. Well, it's mostly you can poke poke holes yeah. in lots of details. The only story one which really bites it is probably that teleportation. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, just well, goofy details, you know. 
Yeah, they're doing those rewrites really fast, trying to get her out of there. So, yeah, aside from the teleportation and like the the war crimes at the end, even though whatever, maybe they're not war crimes. I guess all is fair in war and blowing people up. That was a little up for debate. Yeah, I mean, it is something that Star Trek would never, ever, 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 ever do. And that's probably the the yardstick I'm using here unfairly, but it's that is so far from something that would be acceptable on most sci-fi shows. I don't think even Star Wars would do that. Are you sure? I'm thinking of the, the Elvenverse Star Trek movie where they ask Nero if he needs any help, and he's like, "I hate you," so they blow him up. Yeah, but like he's their enemy. He killed Kirk's dad. Well, these people are about to get them blown up, so. <laughs> But it's not it's not the same. It would be like if Romulans There's showed no up and were using, revenge. if they were showed up and were using sort of like hanging out on Enterprise and launching missiles from them from there. Now, uh, I think next gen uh, episode, probably <laughs> I just don't I don't feel like that it's a very super cool Federation thing to do to just blow no, up no, no. The, the guy who's launching stuff off of your mm-hmm. moon. But, but you know, um, the one thing with this it show did the is trick. The Alphans are in a much more like desperate situation in general, right? So they would take more yeah. desperate actions where the the Starfleet ships have more agency. Again, having nacelles helps a lot, you know, which Moonbase does not have. Yeah. Well, you could just think of it like uh like what if Janeway just blew up Tuvix with dynamite? And that, that made fun. him back into back into the other two guys. Shatters into two, yeah. Yeah. Be, they should have had you in the writing room, man. Okay. <laughs> they would have uh, escorted you right out of the writing room. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't even Voyager, they wouldn't even kill the bomb that was like the the doctor when the bomb was the doctor, they wouldn't even want to kill that guy. It was like a bomb. Doctor he was bomb. the bomb. Yeah, Doctor Bomb. I don't remember what happened, but I don't think they—I don't think they straight up killed him. Okay. I guess anyway, diff- different episode. Now, yeah. Now uh, I have shown my true lack of knowledge. All right. You want to show your your your. I will retain. Knowledge about... I will regain my knowledge by telling you the knowledge about finding us on Patreon.com. Slash podcastio podcastius find all of our podcasts podcasts such as films and filth of citizen kane of podcasting Lucas pokemon game game show hyrule field report occult disney time enough podcast covering twilight zone um and i think that's all the podcasts that you, you can find it. there i think and you, you find that. bonus footage and send us money for server bills and uh you can find brian on some of our podcasts Right. Yeah. You got any other plans? Yeah, I'm gonna be on another one at some point. You. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Probably this one, I think, the way things are going. <laughs> it would be like your Italian mother and be like, Why are you not got to podcast? Ah, come on. I don't think I have anything coming up on films and filth anytime soon, but maybe. Who knows? It just depends on what Matt yeah. looks at the list and says, Who's good for this? I guess I do. so huh? so Mark, we need you to lean back. Close your eyes and uh, be imperious. There you go. <laughs> and also get some gray hair. I'm just frozen there. <laughs> We're ending with another free frame. There you go. And oh, surgery. I'm so glad this is an audio. Tell us of Delta, everybody. It's tell us of Delta. <laughs> Launch the missiles. There you go.
It looked like you're pooping. Did it freeze yet? No. You just look like it's you're not... pooping. Because <laughs> I'm trying so hard to close my eyes. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, later, everybody, don't shoot at the other planet.